Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Welcome to the BSN Broncos podcast presented by Elixinol. Don't take our word on Elixinol. Take former Broncos quarterback Jake Plummer's word on it. Plummer is a huge fan of Elixinol's hemp balm, a topical pain reliever that's just one of their many great non-THC products. What's more, 5% of your purchase will go to a non-profit of your choice when you visit Elixinol.com to get yours today. All right, Zach, we are going to attempt to not only talk about Drew Locke for the entire first segment mm, no let's just let's just keep it locked on drew all right fine that's fine, that's fine. let's just talk about Drew. uh no let's try and talk about some of these other guys and uh one guy that we haven't talked about really since after the first round is noah fant and i think that is going to end up being one of those things where everyone looks back and says why why wasn't noah fant talked about more this guy is a you know a rookie of the year candidate type of player Um, And to me, it just comes down to this offense. And this offense is so enabling for a tight end, especially this style of tight end, because one, the reason Rich Gangarillo wanted Joe Flacco is to go downfield. And so you're going to see a lot of north and south routes by the outside wide receivers. So not only is Fant going to be another one of those guys who's going north and south, but when you send Sanders... 20 yards down the field and you send Sutton on a fly route all of a sudden you've cleared the safeties and Noah Fant has the entire middle of the field to work on on what is likely going to be a one-on-one matchup and that's the type of play that's the type of area where Noah Fant can just go crazy because not only is he going to just rack up receptions being one-on-one with a linebacker in the middle of the field if you hit him in stride, he's going to be off to the races. 
a, a tight end is a safety net for a quarterback. A good tight end is a quarterback's best friend. Joe Flacco absolutely adores the tight ends. The Broncos, they didn't have to do something here, but boy, this this makes 100% sense to go down this route and just give Joe exactly what he needs and then give Drew that safety net whenever he takes over. And boy, Noah Fant is just, I mean, he he's he was productive in college, but he's still this raw tool that can develop to be so much more. Ryan, he was playing with the best tight end in, in all of college football, and Noah Fant still put up these numbers. What would he have done, not even on, on a better team, still on Iowa, but if they didn't have TJ Hawkinson? I mean, could you imagine the type of numbers that he would have put up? It would have been, the Broncos wouldn't have been able to get him at 20 if he was the lone tight end on his team. So the fact that he had to split time and split those reps and split those yards and stats with Hawkinson is a blessing. Yeah, uh, Iowa, Iowa, I think, is a well-coached team, and uh, Ferentz, Ferentz does a good job out there. He completely mismanaged the Noah fan situation. Um, they, you know, it, it, just from my perspective, it seemed like they fell in love with Hawkinson for good reason. Hawkinson's awesome. But they forgot about Noah Fant. And if it was me, I would have centered my entire offense around those two tight ends and just let everything else be a decoy. But they didn't get him they didn't get him nearly enough receptions. They didn't get him nearly enough targets. And that's why to me, Noah Fant could come in here and be way better than he was um, in college with Iowa. I mean, he can – I don't know if the word is way better, but he could have much higher production as a rookie in the NFL because this team, and and Rich Scangarello in particular, and Joe Flacco on top of that, are just going to love him. And what did we say? We said about 50 receptions – and 50 to 60 receptions, and 600 yards. In college, the best year he ever had was last year when he had 39 receptions, 519 yards, and seven touchdowns. So it is realistic to expect that. Whereas a running back runs for, you know, 1,700 yards his senior season, you don't expect him to do that his rookie year in the NFL. What was the receptions again? 39. That's embarrassing. And the year before, when he had 11 touchdowns, he only had 30 catches. Do you have the targets there or no? Uh, the targets aren't there, no. You need, I mean, you needed to go into the season saying, we're getting Noah Fant 75 catches. And even that is low. Yeah. Andy Isabella caught 110 balls. <laughs> now, I realize, you know, he's at UMass and he was a, a, in a, cla- a class above the rest. But so is Noah Fant. This dude's going to come in and be an athletic freak in the National Football League. He's going to be a mismatch nightmare in the National Football League. And you could only get him the ball 37 times? Yeah, what are you doing? What are you doing? (laughs) The Broncos should try to get him the ball 37 times a game. (laughs) Yeah. So, and I would be shocked if he has less than seven targets a game. It should be that. It should be that, and it should be at least 3.7 catches per game. That's what it should be, and then you're topping the 50. It should, 
it's hard to think like going into a game, how is he not going to have four catches a game? And you think that seems really, really low, but four catches over the course of a season like that, we're topping 65 catches. So really that it, it's not ridiculous to say the 65 catches and what the Broncos need to do is we know Noah Fant wants to be an all-around player. He wants to be the TJ Hawkinson, Hawkinson type of tight end, and he's capable of it. He's a willing blocker, um, and the Broncos believe he can be that. He, the Broncos believe he can be a good blocker, but that's going to take some time. It may take a year. It may take four years for him to become that all-around player. In the meantime, don't punish him for not being a blocker. You know, as long as he attempts to be a blocker and and tries, don't punish him by only letting him see the field 30% of the time. Let him go on the field unless you absolutely have to have a surefire blocker. He should be out there all the time. And, you know, if if you have to use him as a decoy at times and you lose, what, 20% of blocking as opposed to having Jeff Hireman or Troy Fumagalli out there, if either of those guys are even better blocking options, then that's okay because you know what? It's more dangerous to have him out there as a receiver. Yeah, I mean, and we were talking about this after the first round. Call He's not a tight end. He's a weapon. Hmm. Use him in every single way pot. You want to run an end around to him from a uh, goal line formation? Do it. Mm-hmm. You know, come up with different ways to get the ball in this kid's hands and – just, I mean, just go all in. Line him up at fullback. Line him up, um, you know, in the shotgun with Philip Lindsay on one side and Noah Fan on the other side of the quarterback. Uh, line him up out wide with a goal line set. Force them to single cover him over there. Do it. I mean, everything you do should revolve around how do we get Noah Fant in a mismatch. And you can make, and, and that's what, you know, teams with, with tight ends like that have been making a living off of for years is just, our entire offensive game plan is to put you in a position where you have to give us a mismatch. And so if you want to line up a corner on Noah Fant, well, guess what? Now Cortland Sutton is getting an easier matchup or Emmanuel Sanders is getting an easier matchup. Or if you want to put three corners out there uh, on those guys, well, guess what? Now Philip Lindsay gets a better matchup. This is, I mean, this is huge. The, the, the teams that played the Broncos have not had to think about the tight ends. They might not even bring up the tight ends name in the game plan. They just said, oh, yeah, yeah, tight end, whatever. Now, every single thing they do has to be done with Noah Fant in mind. Every four catches in college, Noah Fant went for a touchdown. That's incredible. Ryan, in the goal line package, could you imagine having Cortland Sutton spread out to the left, Noah Fant as your outside receiver spread out to the right, Emmanuel Sanders in the slot, and then Philip Lindsay in the backfield. And you can use Philip as a weapon coming out each way from the backfield, or before the snap, you can motion him out, and then he's alongside Emmanuel in the slot. That is, that's dangerous right there. And I don't know the last time we've been able to truly say that the the weapon group for the Broncos on offense has been dangerous. Philip Lindsay was dangerous last year. End list. That was it. If If Emmanuel can come back, and Cortland can take that step that he should take, and Noah Fant can just not even take a, a, a crazy step this year. He just needs to be the receiver that he can be. Man, that's exciting. Year one, that's exciting. 
Yeah, you're putting, I mean, you're slowly but surely getting there. And you know where else you're getting there is on the offensive line. We, the Broncos just completely solidified the right side of their line this offseason. Yep. It took Juwan James, threw him at right tackle, and taking Dalton Reisner, throwing him at right guard. You're good now. You're good over there. Congratulations. You did it. The Broncos had no choice with Ron Leary's contract this year. So the offensive line is completely set for this year. But let's say Ron goes out and he plays 16 games. Am I confident in that? No, I'm not confident in that. He's had a career of injury problems. But let's say he does that. And uh, Connor McGovern, well, and then I'm, I absolutely love Dalton, and I'll get to him in just a second. So you have both guards solidified, right tackles solidified. You hope that either Bowles solidifies himself at left tackle or Connor McGovern solidifies himself at center. I'm not going to say both of those things are going to happen, but if one of those things can happen, then you really only have one need on the offensive line moving forward. That is something where we haven't talked about that in so long. It's been four or five once they let Matt Paradis walk. It needs along the offensive line. What if I told you this? What if I told you that Sam Jones wins the starting center job and Connor McGovern plays left guard? Mm, in the future? This year. And Ron Leary's just... He just he's just, just count, banged count, up count, count and yeah. you, you, know, you end up just having to pull the plug on him. Mm. That would be high risk, high reward. I don't know why. I just have this feeling that Sam Jones is going to really, really ball out in training camp. Colorado guy I think it's the he's so he's a leader and he's a guy who will be so receptive to coaching that I think Mike Munchak could just turn him into a beast this is a guy you know we put him on the back burner I I think a little bit just because he didn't get a chance last year despite all those injuries I think they were really trying to hold true to giving him a redshirt year because he needed to bulk up this is a guy who was a beast at Arizona State I mean, a force to be reckoned with. I watched my buffs go up against him. He was not fun to play. Uh, you know, he's nasty, just like they like. He's tough. He's gritty. He's a leader. I I just I don't want people to be shocked. Maybe he wins the left guard job. I don't want people to be shocked if Sam Jones is, is on the line starting this year. And people are saying, well, why do you think he's that good and why did he fall to what the fifth or sixth round last year he left a year early when everyone else kind of thought he should have stayed at Arizona State for his senior season he said no I'm coming out because he didn't like from what I understand he didn't like how Arizona State was handling the coaching uh all, all that that went on because I believe last year was when they fired I don't remember his name Oh, the dude with the stupid headset. Todd Graham. <laughs> yes, who who was a, a good coach. He was doing well. I think he brought him to a bowl game last year uh, in order for the athletic director to bring in his boy, um, ESPN personality. Why, am, why is his name slipping my head right now? Uh, Herm Edwards. Yes, Herm Edwards. He didn't like what was going on, so he left. A lot of people thought it was a year too early. Ryan, he could have been a third, maybe a second-round pick this year. If he would have stayed just from what people were projecting. So that's the type of player he is. And that's why it was important for him to get that red shirt year to become that potentially second or third round pick. So, man, I, I like that. And worst case, you, you have a uh, backup that you feel great about. 
Yeah, so keep an eye on Sam Jones. And then, of course, Dalton Reisner is a day one starter. Nothing less. Without a doubt. And here's how I view Dalton going into the draft. One of the safest players on the board. Not entering day two. Entering the draft. You you felt good about Jonah Williams. You know, he's going to be a stud. You didn't really know what position he was going to play, whether it was tackle whether it was guard, maybe dabble in some center. But if he was a guard, you felt really good about it. I don't feel any different about Dalton. You just know he's a guard, and that's what he's going to play. So there's a little less uh, potential for tackle when you're comparing those two. But outside of that, I mean, that's it. He is going to be uh, uh, at least an average guard this year, his rookie season. I think he's going to be above average this year and only get better, but he still does have that potential to play tackle. Yesterday uh, on The Fan, he was on there and said he's extremely comfortable playing left tackle. This pick was brilliant in so many ways. And Ryan, if the Broncos took him at 10, it would be reaching a little bit just because it's a guard. But it would have been a good player at 10. If they would have moved back to 17, that would have been a good pick at 17. If they would have picked him at 20, that would have been a great pick at 20. If they would have moved anywhere in the 20s, that would have been a great pick. They got him at 42. Unbelievable pick because he's a great player. He is a great player, and and we haven't talked too much about his on-the-field stuff. He is um, nasty. He might get a personal foul or two from tossing a guy. He might get called for a holding because he just got too far into a guy and wanted to drive him into the ground. He's the type, and I know people maybe are having flashbacks to Garrett Bulls because people said that about him. He's not that. He's not like that. Um, but he is an angry dude out there. Like, he's just one of those guys where when you have to line up against him, you're thinking, like, I'm going to be in the cold tub after this one. <laughs> yep. He's going he's gonna to batter you and bruise you. He's not going to win every time, especially because he's going to be a rookie. So we, we have to temper expectations there. But when he gets out on the run, he's looking to kill. And that's what makes him so exciting in my book. Yeah, the leadership is nice. Um, you know, the versatility is nice. The athleticism is nice. It's all stuff that's great. But he is a killer. He's out for blood every single time he sets foot on the field. And you just need those type of guys. And here's the other thing. You know, I hate to pick on Vic for this because it really is the only thing I've ever disagreed with him on so far. But to act like the local thing doesn't matter, um, in my opinion, it is really missing out on what is a top five or top three characteristic of drafting Dalton Reisner. There is just something different about a guy walking through those doors every day in the orange and blue and taking pride in that, having grown up their whole life watching players on that field and looking up to them, um, having you know worn the colors and felt pride in them before they even played for them. And you saw it with Philip Lindsay. It's just different. You just have a different attitude when this is you, when you're representing your home state, when you're representing the town, in which every single person that lives there came out to see you, to, to congratulate you. It's, it's something different. And, and 
I, th- I feel like teams undervalue this normally because if it's me and I'm on my board and I've got a player at any position at the top of my board and a player three or four spots below them who's from the state of my team that, that grew up a fan of the team, I'm picking that guy. You know, the, the Rockies did that with Kyle Freeland. Not everyone thought they should have taken Kyle Freeland there, but they took the kid who's pitched at altitude and it's never phased him. It's a little bit different. Uh, because pitching at altitude has such a you know a negative context around it, but there's just something about getting guys who care. You don't want the guy who is living in South Florida and is like oh, Denver. It's so <laughs> freaking cold in Denver. You want the guy who says the Denver Broncos, man. I get to go represent the city of Denver and the state of Colorado and Broncos country worldwide on every Sunday, and I'm going to do anything and everything I can to put my place on the map. Five years before the Broncos selected him, he was at a game at the Broncos stadium, back then called Invesco, and he said, next time I'm here, I'm going to be playing for the Denver Broncos. He didn't go to a game the next five years. The next time he's at that stadium, Ryan, he's going to be a Denver Bronco. He made himself that promise that he was going to be a Bronco. That's what his goal was, was to be a Denver Bronco. Uh, Two hours after, or an hour after being drafted, he has an Instagram at Elway's Downtown of uh, him saying, a huge smile on his face, surrounded by his family, saying, Denver, I'm coming home with, you know, seven exclamation marks behind it. The next day, 12 hours later, he's in the Broncos facility wearing a Colorado tie. He's got the cowboy boots on. I don't know if he would have wore cowboy boots if he was going to the Miami Dolphins. Nope. That's, you know, he would have had to change himself a little bit to blend in. Here he says, I'm myself. I'm comfortable. This is who I want to be. This is something he has looked forward to so much. If he would be playing with the Miami Dolphins, I wouldn't be concerned about his work ethic at all. But the human element to it, it's real, Ryan. This is who this guy is. He's going to be coming here to work every day with just a little more. So I completely agree with you. And as a player, man, I I love what they're getting. He brings that nasty attitude. Uh, One of the quotes he said was, I'm not coming. I'm not going on the football field to make any friends. I love that. I love that. And uh, we'll see. We'll see because Garrett Bowles, those those quotes came off as you know fun at first, and now they just sound extremely cheesy and <laughs> and bad. I I think it's going to be different with Dalton. I think his play is going to be legit pretty much from day one. You know what else, Zach? We talked so much yesterday about Tyree Kill and the disgusting heinous crimes he's committed and how the Kansas City Chiefs did a disservice to the city of Kansas City by bringing in Tyree Kill and putting him in that community. The Broncos did the exact opposite thing here. They should be commended for bringing in a player who not only is a, is a local and is a great kid, who's going to enrich the community who is going to one day win the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. That matters to me when other teams are just, you know, whatever it takes, whoever it takes to win, forget about what they've done, you know, give them a second chance. And and every team has been guilty of it now and then, even the Broncos. 
But the way that we question teams when they do the wrong thing, we should reward them when they do the right thing. And the Broncos got a guy who, before he had any money, was setting up a foundation. He just wants to help people. And like I said, one day he will win the Walter Payton Man of the Year. You're giving me chills, Ryan, because you're exactly right. And also, it's it's a great story being local. It's a great story getting a great guy. But you know what? The Broncos didn't focus on that in John Elway's first roughly six drafts. How did that turn out? They got Von Miller. It's the only pro Who bowler. Who am I missing? It's the only pro bowler. That, well, actually, Julius Thomas okay. was the other pro bowler in the same draft. And he stuck around for three or four years. That's it. What happens when they change their philosophy last year? Right now, it seems like they knocked it out of the park. Um, you know, it's hard to mess up Bradley Chubb. Cortland Sutton looks good. There's a lot of guys that look good. And don't forget Philip Lindsay, who also fit the mold. Exactly. What do they do this year? Again, initially, great reviews with Dalton being right in the heart of it. So there is something to it on the football field that translates to that. And Ryan, he's also a guy. I mean, we, we just talked about what if Sam Jones wins the center job. What if you realize in OTAs and training camp, shoot, Connor McGovern is an average to an, maybe an above average guard. As a center, he's a guard. We need to have him be guard. And Sam Jones, we also like him at guard. Dalton, he was a center for like growing up all through high school, I believe. A natural center is what he called himself. Plug him in there. I would feel 100% comfortable with Dalton being the center as long as he got enough reps with Joe Flacco and under center uh, this offseason in training camp. And then next year, wherever he plays this year, center, guard, say you realize Garrett Bowles is not the dude and Mike Munchak sees that Dalton can be the left tackle, then you just got your left tackle of the future in the second round. Or if you're so inclined, you can move Juwan James to the left and move uh, Dalton Reisner to the right side. It really is a, a completely safe pick. He can play five positions. And I, feel, and I know I was worried about drafting a guy just to move him positions. This is a guy who's played every position. So you're not moving him positions. Now what you don't really want to do is in this season, his rookie season specifically, have him play all five positions. You don't want him to have him play three positions. You, it's kind of a year-by-year thing. You know, it, and if you get in an emergency and Garrett Bowles gets hurt or is just awful, then you can flip him out to tackle, but then keep him there. Don't bounce him around so much. I'm, I'm saying on a year-by-year basis, that's not going to be the biggest deal because this guy is also very smart and can handle that. Zach, I have some breaking news here. <laughs> Von Miller has a new employer. Let me guess. Does it have something to do with animals? He will be a... He's not getting traded. He will be... <laughs> a quote-unquote lifestyle correspondent for NBC during the Kentucky Derby coverage this weekend. <laughs> what a perfect guy to be a lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, he's got he's got lifestyle down, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, so that'll be fun for him. All right, you want to talk about one more guy here? Let's do it. Let's talk about Draymond Jones. Could be the um, underappreciated asset of this class. Because he just, I mean, he's buried behind three so exciting players. He was drafted while everyone in the media room was trying to put together their stories on Drew Locke and, or Dalton Reisner, you know, depending on who it was. 
Um, and all of a sudden, Draymond Jones, who clearly the Broncos loved, they've had their eyes on him, you know, uh, for a while now. And a guy who was a highly, highly touted prospect, who went to Ohio State, who didn't burst onto the scene the way they would have liked, and then all of a sudden became a, you know, a double-digit sack guy, a, a tackle-for-loss machine, and uh, coming in at a position that the Broncos need. Yeah, and this is a guy who, talk about if they use him right, he's going to have an instant impact. Vic Fangio admitted that they're going to use him right, in my opinion, said he's going to be a nickel pass rusher, which is perfect. I mean, he's undersized right now for what Vic wants along the defensive line at 280 pounds. Uh, Vic wants his defensive lineman to be able to play any position at any time, so clearly he's not that guy yet. But you know what? He was your fourth pick in this draft, so that's okay. And right now... To be able to get that fourth guy to to have a role, that's that's a great. So if you can get interior pass rush from him this year, could you imagine on pass rush downs when he's your he's your defensive end alongside Shelby Harris in the middle and Derek Wolf on the other side? Oh, by the way, you have Bradley Chubb and Von Miller on the outsides. That's that's potentially very dangerous. Yeah, I mean you're you're really one away. Like if Draymond Jones just hits. Right. You just became lethal mm-hmm. on pass rushing downs. You're already, I don't know, one step below lethal is deadly. <laughs> yeah, they kind of both mean <laughs> the same thing, but you're one step below that because what did Shelby have? Five sacks. Yeah, that's not quite enough to be lethal. If Draymond Jones can just give you some four. Yep. Shelby Harris gives you six. Derek Wolf gives you. Two or three? Yep. Bradley Chubb and Von Miller give you 30. Yep. Now you're almost leading the league in sacks, if not, and you just became a team that offenses don't know what to do on third and long. And here's the thing about Draymond is there's actually more pressure on his shoulders than really anyone realizes right now because – the Broncos, while they couldn't have got Ed Oliver, they could have got a stud defensive lineman at 10. Uh, they could have got a stud defensive lineman in the second round instead of going Dalton. Instead, they wait until the third round with their fourth pick to get him. And Ryan, like we talked about, Shelby Harris is on the final year of his deal. I guess it's only a one-year deal. Derek Wolf is on the final year of his deal. And Adam Gotsis is on the final year of his deal. So he is the future. They're not going to lock up all three of those guys, I don't believe. So Draymond Jones needs to bulk up and needs to get stout in the run game and needs to be productive enough this year to prove that he can be an interior pass rusher so that he can be a starter next year. Now, it's nice that he has that year to develop and be that situational guy, but that's not how they view his role moving forward and for the future. He's got to be the guy next year. Can they sign two? Yeah, I they, think they could sign So they'll two. keep around Shelby and Adam. Yep. And then exactly. Draymond Jones will be there. Um, Tamarcus Walker, if you ever want to show up, they got a spot for you. Um, that's a that's a really good point you make. You got three guys on a contract here. That You might get some really good play out of that line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, for real. Like, you know, we saw Emmanuel Sanders, who felt like he was on a contract year mm-hmm. last year, turn it up to another notch. Yep. It's unfortunate i guess it's human nature 
Millions of dollars are on the line every single time you set foot on the field. You're going to play a little harder. You're going to play a little harder. So watch out for that line. That's a really good point. That makes them even more dangerous. It's good stuff. All right, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back on the other side, we got plenty more Broncos talk for you. The Colorado Golf Association is dedicated to preserving, improving, and serving the game of golf here in Colorado. And right now they're conducting their annual Dream Golf Vacation Raffle. Ed May, Executive Director of the Colorado Golf Association, gave us some more info on what exactly you can win if you enter. We had six grand prizes this year and 40 plus other prizes. So the, the big ticket items, so to speak, or the grand prizes are a trip to the BMW Championship, including VIP access, thanks to our partnership with BMW. Uh, we have a trip to Streamsong. We have a trip to Bandon Dunes. We have a trip to Sand Valley. And then we have what I think might be the coolest, the chance to take an, uh, a 7 Series BMW down to Telluride to play in a CGA-only event. The raffle tickets will go on sale on our website, coloradogolf.org. Tickets are $40, and you know all the proceeds from the raffle are going to support youth development in the state of Colorado. So you're making a great donation to a great cause, but you're also having a chance to uh, really have a fantastic dream golf vacation. For a chance to win, be sure to go to coloradogolfassociation.org. Well, Zach, there's been so much stuff to talk about recently. We haven't been able to talk enough about ourselves. <laughs> I have to say, I was at the Nuggets game last night. Um, a incredible hookup from our good friend Chris Fuselier at Blake Street Tavern. And pretty sweet seats. Yeah, they were sick. It was dope. Did, with that fire when they ran out, did it burn your eyebrows off? You can actually feel the heat, which is pretty sweet. I mean, you know, because they do it at when the Broncos win. Yeah. And that's like way up at the top of the stadium, and you yep. can feel it down from the field. It's kind of crazy. Um, maybe if we just had like a bunch of those around the city right now, <laughs> we could melt all the snow and make it warm. It's pretty. I'll give you that. But it's almost May, too. I refuse to not be in shorts. There's nothing pretty about this. <laughs> It is hideous. <laughs> you could act, you would like it if you took your camera out and like found some trees. I'm down to do that in like December. <laughs> Fair. You're not I'll, you're not going to get an argument from me. I want pure sun. I want to take pictures of like the sun reflecting off of the buildings in the city. That's that's what I want to take right now. Uh, but anyways, Nicole Jokic, man. I just want to talk about him for a second because uh, Paul Millsap made an interesting comparison after the game. Mm. I watched Nikola Jokic go out there last night, and and I've watched this guy a million times. And in the first two minutes of the first quarter, I was like, ugh, Jokic looks tired. And I don't know if, if I was just misinterpreting his body language or if he just always looks kind of tired or if he kind of shook the rust off a little bit. But this dude goes out there and doesn't even look like he's trying. He looks like he's bored. Drops 37, almost a triple-double, and just carves the Blazers apart. He's a beast. So anyways, after the game, Paul Millsap compared him to Tom Brady. Mm. And he said he's just always going to do the right thing. He's always going to make the right read. And I'll take it a step further. And I know this isn't a much of a welcome comparison. When Tom Brady beats you, how much does that suck? Because it's just this regular old looking white guy. He's <laughs> not fast. He doesn't have elite arm strength. What is he like? You're out there thinking, how is he doing this? How is he so good? 
And that's exactly how I feel. It must be like to go against uh, Nikola Jokic. You're like, he's the guy can hardly even dunk. He doesn't look like he's in shape. He has no muscle definition, and yet our guys can't even stop him from just barreling down the lane. When you get beat by LeBron James or Antonio Brown or Cam Newton, you're like, oh, I had no chance anyways. Phenomenal athlete. I knew that guy was going to beat me if he was on his game. Tom Brady or Jokic, it's it's Mr. Fundamentals beating you. It's Mr. YMCA putting on a clinic on you. You're like, no, this shouldn't be happening. Anyways, I just had to get that because I was like, it's a really good comparison. There's just nothing. Like, when you just look at Tom Brady, there's just nothing that scares you. Nope. When you look at Nicole Jokic, you're like, oh, it's just a tall guy. How does a guy like that have that much touch? How does he have that vision? How does he have such a good handle? How does he play such good defense? It's just crazy. (sighs) Speaking of Tom and bad news for Broncos fans, have you been following his social media? I did follow him on Twitter. I haven't seen much. (sighs) Followed him on Instagram this offseason, and it really, really does seem like he plans to play for five more years. I mean, he is so fired up. He's more fired up than anyone else in professional sports for OTAs. It's insane, and it's bad news. He's going he's gonna to fall off, and I know <laughs> it. I know he's going to fall off. He has to. When he's 50? I don't know. How old is he? 43? I think so. This is the year. <laughs> and last year was the year, and the year before that was the it's year. It's time. <laughs> it's time, Tom. This is, it's coming for you. I don't know if Tom has father's time. Father time is undefeated. Father time is going to kiss Tom Brady on the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and then come back for more. <laughs> uh all right. Anyways, I'm also going to the Avs game tonight. Hey, slight flex. Wow. I can't resist. I just can't resist the, the atmosphere. This is the first home game for the Avs. So the Pepsi, right? Yep. So the Pepsi Center has home games Monday through Thursday this week. Yep. Of playoff, second round playoff action Monday. That is insane. It's too bad that um, the people in charge of the Nuggets expect the fans to be as good as the Avs. Because they're just charging way too much for the seats. And mm. they, they're not selling it out. Which one? They're not selling it out? Oh, last night was questionable. Wow. Not sold out. What, not even what, close. What, are the prices the same for abs and nuggets? They're pretty close. And okay. it's just, that's not the way it should be. Right. Because abs will be sold out tonight. Oh. Sold out. White pom-poms. Yep. Flying all over the place. Ear-piercing sound. Mm. Nuggets game was great, man. Like, the, the crowd was into it. They need work on the MVP chance. It's very disjointed. Uh, it's also, I think no one fully believes it. Right. <laughs> so everyone's kind of half assing it. And they're just like, MVP. MVP. But uh, no, it's, it's a good atmosphere. Yeah. And I don't, I don't like when people are like, oh, this is embarrassing compared to the Avs. It's just, it's not the same thing. Right. The Avs have two championships. That's where I draw the line. I'm like, they have two championships. Yep. You win championships, you get diehard fans who are going to live and die with you. Yep. The Nuggets have those people. They're around. But mm. until you win a chip, you're not going to have that. Like, I grew, I watched the Avs win two championships when I was in my formative years when I'm, like, trying to figure out what I love in life. And these were the two teams, Ryan. Neither of us picked them of the four Colorado sports teams to win the next championship. And they're both, what, two rounds away from being in the finals? One, two, one round away, really. I'm... Rarely, if ever, wrong. 
I'll be real happy to be wrong about this one. I'll maybe wear that badge with pride. Maybe they both get us. Last night I was I was so close, so close. Uh, I was I was ready to screenshot it because I had texted my buddy because he's like I think we're gonna lose tonight, and I said Nuggets by fifteen, Joker with a forty piece. <laughs> and damn, you're so close. I was like getting around, like oh, there's a couple three pointers that with like a minute left that could have got him up to fourteen. Yep. I was like, man, I almost had it. I almost had another one. I almost bagged another one. All right, we'll move on. Sorry. I, just, I felt like we haven't, you know. I love it. I love it. I mean, got to support the teams here. Yeah. And we just haven't had a good, you know, just good talk for us. Hopefully there's another good talk tomorrow following another good game you're at tonight. I really hope so. I really hope so. I think I think they're going to win. They're just. There's something. They got something. There's yeah, something. They got something. All right, let's get on to the questions here. Coming from, first one from. Trevory13. He says, Ryan and Zach, longtime listener, first time commenter. Welcome. I'm constantly blown away by how much great content you guys pack into every episode, and the level of interaction with fans is second to none. Thanks for all you do and keep up the great work. Man, thank you for reaching out. That is so cool to hear. And like I said, welcome. He has two questions. One, We've heard repeatedly that Chris Harris is seeking a new deal that would break Josh Norman's average year per benchmark, but we all know teams can structure these contracts in a multitude of ways with upside and downside for both the team and the player. It wouldn't be hard to structure a deal with lots of funny money that gives Harris his average per year crown while not leaving them on the hook for as much guaranteed money. They could also give him a contract with a more team-friendly annual salary, but more guaranteed money, hurting their flexibility if his play were to slip. Another option is a front-loaded deal with a large signing bonus that gets as much money into Harris's hands in the first year as possible. What kind of contract do you think Harris would be most receptive to? And from Denver's perspective, what kind of structure would they be most likely to come to the table with? Fascinated by how this plays out in the coming months. Here's what's going to happen. The Broncos are going to offer Chris Harris a deal that is three years, call it $37.5 million. Exactly the number I would have said. And um, 25 of that will be guaranteed. That's going to be the offer. And Chris is going to have to decide because that will be the final offer or that that'll be the Broncos' best offer. Chris is going to have to decide, does he want a lot of money, and that's a lot of money, or does he want to be the highest paid? And he could probably get that from another team. He could probably get 15 from another team. He could certainly get 14 from another team. And he has to decide, does he want kind of the prestige and being recognized as the as the highest paid or the fifth highest paid, or is he okay with, you know, slipping out of the top 10 again but still getting a lot of money. That's something he's going to have to decide. And from what I heard this weekend is he's still set on $15 million per year. He can't do that. You want to know why? Why? Because the Broncos are going to say, dude, the time for, to trade you came and went. We can't trade you. There's, no, there's not enough value out there for us to trade you. So here's the deal. $37.5 million, 25 guaranteed. basically a team option in the third year that's what we got for you and if you decline this you're a villain and you're playing this year on eight million so take it or leave it 
Chris had the leverage last week, right before the draft, kind of pumping himself up. And John Elway realized, you know what? If I'm going to get value for him, it's going to be right now. If not, then all the leverage is in our hands. So it didn't really make sense for John to strike a contract last Tuesday or Wednesday before the draft. It made sense to either get great value from him, a team came in and blew him away with an early second-round pick, then yeah, you probably take that deal. And then you use that early second-round pick to pick up Greedy Williams, who was available in the early second round. If not, now it's now John has all the power. Here's the thing, and this is where Chris is getting his wires crossed a little bit. If you take the early deal, that's when you take the hometown discount. Why are you getting? A, why would you be getting a full market value deal to get to get paid more faster? Right. You know, like if you want more money faster, you're taking less money in the long term. I this think this isn't what? you know JG Wentworth. <laughs> it's my money, and I need it now. Like your money is eight million dollars, so you can take that. And then you can hit the open market and you can get 15. But, you know, if you have a structured settlement and you need cash now, <laughs> then you got to take by your local corner store. <laughs> then you got to take a less deal on the long term. That's just the way this works. That's how it works. And you know why Chris is realizing this right now and trying to get it done right now is because he turns 30 this summer, June 18th. He turns 30, and so he's trying to finesse the league or John Elway of saying, look, whoa, I'm not 30. Give me big money now, and you're not paying an old guy because once you're 30, Chris can play for many more years. I 100% believe that. I wouldn't be worried about paying him for three or four more years. He's going to be able to play, but the NFL doesn't view you that way. In fact, Ryan, do you know who has received the largest contract for a cornerback in what in their 30s. Like, they received the contract after they were 30 years old. Who received it? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Daryl Revis. It was Kareem Jackson. Oh, wow. Okay, that makes by sense. The, by the Denver Broncos. That I should have deal, been thinking way more in, in the short term. I would have never guessed this, to, to be honest. That deal that Kareem signed for $11 million per year, largest ever for a corner. Now, he's a little hybrid safety, too, but that shows you where the market is. Chris wants 15. The largest ever is 11 in your 30s, and that's why he wants it now. He's got about a month and a half before he turns 30 and before the NFL is going to view him like that. Yeah, in my opinion, Chris has two options. Play on eight, play for your eight, and go get your money next year or take 12 and a half. Yep, I don't disagree with you. And you want to sit out? I guess you can do that. You want to sit out till week 10? I guess you can do that. But there will be a resistance from the NFL teams not letting the players take control like this. I don't know what it is, but there is a chance that somewhere along the line, you know, I never thought a player would get uh, blackballed from the league for just taking a political stance. If you are trying to hold a fist over NFL owners, there's going to be pushback eventually. And I don't know if it would be Chris Harris Jr. not getting signed. Someone's not getting signed eventually because they were too aggressive. Yep, exactly. I, I completely agree. There will be pushback. 
because I guarantee you in the same group text where they said, hey, let's don't let's not uh, get Colin Kaepernick ever. They were saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. this Le'Veon Bell stuff is kind of scary, boys. We can't just let players control us. We got to make sure we don't allow this to happen more. And then when Antonio Brown went to Oakland and said, give me a new deal right now. And they were like, okay, anything you want, Antonio. <laughs> the group text was blowing up like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. He still has, what, two years on his deal? Yep. You guys are crazy. Eventually, they're going to realize we cannot give the players this much power. Exactly. So I'm not saying it's going to happen with Chris Harris Jr. Because someone probably would sign Chris Harris Jr. for $15 million next year. But eventually, it will happen where they're like, don't sign him. Show the players that we still hold the fist. Exactly. 100% right. His second question is, he says, like many, surprised the team didn't do much to address the inside linebacker position this offseason. But one guy who kind of intrigues me is Joseph Jones. He didn't get too much playing time last year, but did step up in an injury to Josie Jewell against the Bengals and really impressed me. Unlike our other linebackers, Jones actually profiles well as a Fangio kind of athlete at linebacker with speed and the ability to cover a lot of ground. Do you think the coaching staff will give him a real opportunity to compete for the starting job? Appreciate it and look forward to hearing you guys. Thanks, Trevor. How could he not? I think everyone uh, has a chance right now. I think Sue Craven's chance of making the team just went up tenfold because they need someone to play that role, at least one person. So Joseph Jones has a chance. Sue Craven's has a chance. Keyshawn Bieria has a chance to earn himself some playing time. I just can't imagine. I mean, maybe the Darren Leach, right? They traded for Veldeer and uh, Sue Craven's kind of in the summer, right, last year? I think it was in free agency. I think it was because Sua's press conference was April 2nd. I remember that. And mm-hmm. I think Jared okay. Valdir was like a week or two after free agency opened. Okay, so it's it's different. Maybe they're, they're, they have something up their sleeve with, with a trade. Uh, other than that, the only thing I can think of is they are either going to change Vic Fangio's defense slightly or give those guys a chance. Yeah, I mean, Keyshawn Bieri is another guy that profiles well for that. It's not the moves I would have thought that Vic Fangio wanted when he said we needed multiple linebackers. I guess those aren't moves at all. I guess Justin Hollins and Sua Cravens could be the starting inside linebacking group. <laughs> that is wild. That Or maybe they have, maybe Vic has identified his next Roquan Smith in next year's draft. Yeah, but what about this year's? <laughs> I don't know. All right, from Tom3565. Honestly, my son loved Locke from the get-go, and I wasn't so sure. I was okay with the pick, but I still wondered. He won me over when he was talking about what his responsibility as a leader was. Locke at this juncture, being a Bronco, was thinking better about his responsibility than Lynch ever seemed to have. It was like he was talking about being the anti-Cutler in Lynch. Best of all, he appears to be the anti-Keenum. About damn time the Broncos have some competition looking forward to to Flacco, Locke, and seeing what Rippon can bring to. I think Locke, or I think Tom3565 is my dad, because I was just, the past two weeks, I've been doing so much convincing, trying to convince myself he was the guy, and I convinced myself, and hopefully John too. But yeah, I mean, I really, he radiates leadership, and he radiates leadership from where if I was a veteran, I could buy into it if, you know, he lived, continued to live that. And if I'm a young guy, I mean, come on, I'm, I'm already hooked on him. And he really, especially when you compare it to Paxton Lynch, so different. 
He's one of those guys where I feel like you could send him into a room with any person in the entire world and he can become friends with them in 10 minutes. Yeah. Just the way he talked, like, oh, you're compared to Jay Cutler. He's like, Jay, Jay had an absolute (laughs) cannon. Like the way he just said that, it just sounded like him and Jay were boys. Yep. Flacco, Flacco's got a hose. (laughs) It's like the way the terms and just all, like you just send him in and talk, you sit him down with anyone in the world and he'll be friends with them. Yeah. And that's one of the important parts of leadership. Now, there's also parts where you need to be, you know, um, an a-hole. And that's part of leadership, too. I think you can do that. But the ability to just connect with people is mm-hmm. so important in leadership. Mm-hmm. And he has that just out the wazoo. And he is confident and cocky, you know, as can be. But it doesn't come across as arrogant at all. He's very personable. And that's kind of the hardest thing one of the hardest things about leadership is you do have to be the alpha male but you can't come across in a bad way you have to be personable and so far and not just our connection with him on saturday when when we met him again it goes back to the senior bowl and the combine as well he's hit it every single time and you know what there are some a a few things that you say i wish he would have had more of these in college top 25 wins is one but also Jared Goff and Patrick Mahomes each had zero top 25 wins in their uh, college career. So it's not a red flag in that sense. John Oway wasn't a winner at Stanford. Exactly. The one thing that you know I think I like about that whole uh, scenario is that I know for a fact that if the Broncos start losing, he's not going to change. You know who changed last year? Case Keenum. Yeah. When things got tough, when the fans started booing, when... Everything wasn't going uh, according to plan for the next chapter of the book. He got sour. He got, you know, um, sad. He got lame. I know that Drew Locke's been through it. And I thought Case Keenum had too. But Drew Locke's been through it and had a lot of tough times. He went through, you know, his team going on strike from playing football. He's been through it all. And I just know... The Broncos could be ten and three or three and ten. You're still going to get the same Drew Lock. Exactly, exactly. Next one from Nacho Brady says, "Quick wish, please do that podcast with notes about Lock and Reisner and Fant. That would be cool to hear. Second to last in relevance, first in your hearts, Nacho Brad. As soon as I get a second this week to uh, to slow down, I will definitely uh, do my best to put that together. There's not much on Fant because it was. Just, I'm just going to go from through the Senior Bowl. I don't think I can go through every podcast <laughs> unless someone can point out to me the one where we talked about Fant. Uh, but I will get Locke and Reisner. There's a little bit of Brett Rippin. I'm trying to remember mm. if there's anyone else that was there that we talked about. I don't know. But I'll, I'll, I listened to him already once, so I'll be able to go through him quickly and hopefully put together. I don't know how long it's going to be, but I think it'll be cool. So I'll, I will definitely try to do that. That'll be awesome. Next one coming in from Carpaccio Chris. He says, howdy, fellas. Dalton Reisner is definitely my favorite pick of the draft this year. His kick-ass, hard-work demeanor seems genuine, so much so that I truly believe in the positive effect he can have on the team, not only leading with his performance on the field, but also as a leader in the locker room. I saw a special on all the work he has done in the community, and it brought me to the verge of tears. In my opinion, his BA attitude reminds me a little bit of Derek Wolf's. I love it. He also looks like he could be RK's brother, LOL. Thank you for the great content. I wish I had the physical gifts that he had. Is that your brother? 
No. Is that our inside? No, no. Unfortunately not. He He'd is. Ho- he would hopefully have joined us on this pod by now. Yeah, seriously. Um, but I mean, I guess we do have a similar haircut and beard. He just <laughs> he's got about a hundred pounds on me and a lot of strength. And uh, and the Colorado roots. That's very true. Maybe we're cousins of some sort. <laughs> Next one's from DJC15. Hey guys, hope you all had a great start to your week. Who do you think were the dumbest in the draft, the Giants or the Raiders? God bless the Giants, though, because that Daniel Jones pick is what led us to Drew. Because if it left Haskins for Washington, I'm calling it now. Oh, because it left Haskins for Washington, sorry. I'm calling it now. This upcoming season, the Broncos make the playoffs. Rocks at least make the wild card game. Avs are top three seed next year. And the Nuggets at least make the conference finals a game seven series next season. Mm, love it. Good good times in Denver. Go uh, parlay that in Vegas. <laughs> You'll get some good value. Have you some good Good odds. Ryan, Giants or Raiders? Giants are worse. To me, I got to go Raiders. And the reason is because the Giants got their guy. Now, maybe it was really poor evaluation, but they stuck to the guns and got their guy. And with the Raiders, I'm confused who their guy is. Why does everyone think that Derek Carr is not John Gruden's guy? They've thought that from the moment he was hired throughout all of last season through this offseason. He obviously doesn't hate him, but no one is convinced that he's that guy, right? You ever have one of those friends (laughs) (laughs) who was always in a relationship, but also never, like if you went out to dinner, he's of course flirting with the waitress, (laughs) always, you know, talking to the bartender. Yep. Um, Every time a girl walks by, he's like, damn. (laughs) That's what John Gruden is. He likes having someone to go home to after he gets drunk with his buddies at the bar. (laughs) That's a guarantee for him when he gets there. But he's always looking around the next corner. For the next girl. Mm. That's who he is. And he just hasn't pulled the trigger yet. And it is a bad look. It's a real bad look. Because you know what? His girlfriend sees it when he pretends like he's looking back (laughs) two seconds before the girl walks by. And she just happened to walk into his path. Yep. His girlfriend knows. And so she's on high alert. And it it creates uh, a tension there that allows the the relationships to never bloom. That was beautiful. And that's where John Gruden is with Derek Carr. (laughs) That was very, very impressive. And that's why I don't like it. That's why I don't like their plan as much is because they're, like you said, they're one foot in, one foot out on Derek Carr for two straight years now. Maybe, you know, two is their guy. Maybe they have a plan. But until I see that plan fully matriculate at the most important position in sports, I can't buy into it. I get that. I I just think Dave Gettleman's an idiot. And he just I makes I at himself least, sound like an idiot. I know. That's what I mean. And I, I at least can say that like John Gruden and Mike Mayock understand football. <laughs> I don't even know if that can be said of Dave Gettleman. Fair. Fair. And so I'm just like, you fell in love with Daniel Jones at the Senior Bowl, where on this very podcast, we were like, that guy kind of sucks. <laughs> yep. And I just think I know more about football than Dave Gettleman. <laughs> and I realize that he has GM'd a team to the Super Bowl before, but I think he got some dumb luck there. Gosh, he's been there that long. No, he was uh, with the Panthers when they mm, played the Broncos in Super Bowl 50. Yep, I, to the Super Bowl, I believe, not to the win. I, yep. I believe. Yep. Um. So, 
I think there was just luck. I think that was luck. Yeah. But anyways, I, I both of them were dumb. I just I the Raiders in the end I feel like got good players. They'll still be good players. They needed to get great players. Yeah. The Giants I just think spent a sixth overall pick on Andy Dalton, and I just I can't get behind that That's at all. Not good. From two champ fan twenty four guys, holy crap! <laughs> but first, I've been very very critical of one John Elway, and I want I won't back off my hate. Wow. However, I will praise the ever living you know what out of this man. So, still bringing the hate, but also bringing the love, <laughs> balancing it out. He says Fant is what a healthy Jordan Reed could be. Touch wood. I got you. Um, Big Dalton. No other words needed. But here are some anyway. Nasty, tough, <laughs> old school Anthony Munoz. That would be something. That would be. Next he goes on. The Drew freaking Locke. Not exactly who I wanted, but still. Starter, Pro Bowl, all pro level talent in the second round. Yep. Agreed. Goes on. Jones up the middle being uh, left one-on-one with guards because Miller and Chubb are being doubled on the outside. That's going to be fun. Sorry for the long pause. Love you guys. Keep it up. Sorry, John, for now. Uh, True champ fan 24. That was not a long post. You don't have to apologize for that. Yeah. It it projects extremely, extremely well. Also, the post was properly punctuated, (laughs) which made it possible for me to read it correctly. (laughs) But yeah, uh, not all of the picks will be hits. No. It's just facts. Just the way it turns out. But you know what John did? Drew Locke is a is a safe, safe, safe pick. If he doesn't pan out, he's a second round quarterback. He was your third pick of the draft, not even your second pick. Not a big deal. If he does pan out, it doesn't matter if anyone else pans out on this draft. It doesn't matter if anyone from last year pans out on this draft. It doesn't matter if anyone from next year pans out on this draft. In fact, it really doesn't matter what else John Elway does as general manager. He can not be very good in free agency. He cannot be very good in the draft moving forward for however much longer he has this. If Drew Locke pans out, because I do believe, just like True Tramp fan, that he has uh, all pro talent, pro bowl talent. If he pans out to be that, John's done his work, and he will he will ride off in infamy, and he will set the Denver Broncos up for success for the future. The crazy thing that he, he will be, uh, he'll have been one for two on highly drafted quarterbacks. It's not as if he's just blown. Oh, I guess one for three because Brock. Hmm. Uh, yeah. But that's like 33%. If yeah. you hit on 33% of your quarterbacks, and then if you want to throw Peyton Manning into the mix as a hit as well, yeah. well, then, you know, he's two for seven or something. Um, that's around the same percentage. That's yeah. what it is, Yeah. if not even better. So he will have fortified his legacy. And here's the thing. I, I said no, no way they hit on all four picks. It's not likely, but here, here's what it is. If the, if all four of those guys are Pro Bowl level players, the Broncos will be playing in a Super Bowl in the next few years, without a doubt. Oh my gosh, three of them are Pro Bowl players. Just look at the Saints when they had that crazy draft, right? Yep. They got Michael Thomas, they got uh, Lattimore, they got someone else, and Kamara. I think was that Saint. Was that could that have all been the same draft? It sounds crazy, but then they were, you know. They were elite pretty much instantly. Yep. All right. True Tramp Fan 24 one more time. He says, also, Brett Rippon grabs a six-figure signing bonus from Denver as a third-string quarterback. 
Nope. Goodbye, Flacco. Sorry it didn't work out. Bye. See ya. <laughs> Just had 18 mil to strap on the way out. Bye-bye. <laughs> In all reality, though, that's the exact message to Kevin Hogan. Yeah. And also, I don't know when this happened, but all of a sudden that's a thing now. Six-figure uh, bonuses for undrafted free agents. And so what's getting a little mixed up is signing bonus compared to guarantees. Right, right, right. And so we have to see exactly how this shakes out because I thought all those numbers this past weekend were signing bonuses, and I'll have to go back with other teams and see if those were guarantees or bonuses. I think some of them were signing bonuses. Like Tyree Jackson, didn't he get $75,000 or something? Yeah. Up in Buffalo? That is insane. But, yeah, I don't. it just changed this year. But it's not really. Like, a fifth-round draft pick gets, like, $150,000 signing bonus. Right. So, it feels like it's big, but I think you're right. It's because we're comparing it to, like, the numbers of, like, Philip Lindsay getting 15000 last year. Right. Uh, I don't know if those equate to be the same thing. And I – yeah, we're going to have to see when these contracts come out of exactly – specifically for Rippon, how it's set up, what it means, because – with the guarantee, you have to make the you have to make the roster. Real quick, what's the name of your boy from CSU? Uh the linebacker. Yeah, the linebacker. Ah, uh, yes, the <laughs> linebacker. Um, I rode in an Uber with his mother-in-law last night. Wow! Back from the Nuggets game. And what's his name? The linebacker <laughs> from CSU. That's pretty cool. What'd she say about him? Um, she said she's really excited for him. She said that... Um, Did she know his name is the question. I believe she... <laughs> she didn't say it. She just said... Ah. She... she I, I kind of impressed her. Because mm. she was like, oh, um, we're driving by the Broncos stadium. I didn't even bring up anything about my job yet. And she's like, oh, I'm so excited for Broncos season. My son-in-law just signed uh, an undrafted free agent contract with the Broncos from CSU. Wow. And I was like, oh, good for him. The Broncos need help at linebacker. And he and she was like, "How did you know he's a linebacker?" I was like, "Well, you said the CSU. I put the I put it all you know one and two together." But yeah, his uh, his wife is a law student. Mm. She's being um, uh, mentored by the federal judge in Colorado. Wow. Big stuff. Wow, wow. And of course, I was just playing. His name's Josh Watson. I knew it the whole time. I was thinking Joe Thornton the whole time. <laughs> Guess my uh, mind's still a little stuck on the abs. Good thing tonight. you didn't uh, throw that out to her. Oh, I love Joe. <laughs> oh, Joe, yeah. <laughs> so I tried to explain to her like what um, undrafted free agent means. What uh, the like what that mean like does it mean he makes the team? No, um, like he has a chance to make the practice squad. I was trying to right. go through all of yep. the. Yep. She was she sounded uh, cautiously optimistic. No, oh, well, you know, local guys they get their shot here. They do. Somehow Gary Kubiak still has an influence <laughs> all the way in uh, Minnesota, bringing in CSU players. Yep, drafted a wide receiver from CSU. Man, it's like John and Gary. CU. What drafted a wide receiver from CU? From CSU, Gary. Oh, did. Gary. Gary did. did. Yeah, up in Minnesota. It's like John and and Gary are now going to have a competition. Who can bring in? more of their guys can john bring in more cu guys or can gary bring in more csu guys it's really matt versus gary yeah they were like true. opposing it's front true. office roles last year <laughs> uh next one here is a long one from swedish bronco he says i finally left the dark side i've turned away from the evil free riders and i'm paying up hey take my money 
You deserve it after teaching me more or less everything about football. Man, that's great to hear, man. Thank you. <laughs> after watching All or Nothing with the LA Rams last uh, summer, I felt Case was such a good guy I wanted to follow any team he's with. Wow, this is a crazy story here. Ended up, he just joined the Broncos, which I remembered won a Super Bowl a few years ago. Great. Here I end up following a winning team by chance. Oops, he said. <laughs> I've come to love uh, the Broncos. My old sports love, Chelsea, has lost all of its glow, and NFL and Denver Broncos are my new favorite. But I'm really here to comment about fast food burgers. <laughs> in Sweden, we have four chains which you can find in most, burger, uh, most bigger towns. Uh, McDonald's, Burger King, and Max Hamburger and Sibylla? Sibylla? Sounds right. Sibylla? Yeah. McDonald's is bad. Soggy fries. Whoa. McDonald's <laughs> fries getting a shot. I've never heard that They before. must be doing it wrong in Sweden. <laughs> um, Leather-like meat, which is some imported crap. Burger King is a little better than McDonald's, but the meat still leaves much to be desired. The fries are a bit better, and the menu is more exciting. Sibylla, I'm guessing... Is a big hit and miss. Some of the franchises do good and some not so much. But the winner here in Sweden is Max Hamburger. Extra crispy fries, great red meat, brilliant chicken and vegetarian alternatives. The menu is exciting and often has temporary deluxe alternatives. If you ever visit Sweden and want fast food, Max is the best. Man, I'm I'm looking at some Max burgers right now. They kind of look like uh, legit burgers like what a burger is supposed to look like that is what a burger is supposed to look like <laughs> bun and meat and it looks really thick doesn't it does low-key thick two c's <laughs> uh he says sorry for the wall of text i have eight months of opinions to share <laughs> hashtag team no holes signed mm. hampus mm. well now we know where to go in sweden well world tour yep you guys can. We should set up a GoFundMe. Do you think everyone will fund our world tour? I think so. Maybe Swedish Bronco has a place for us to stay. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. We're almost making ourselves go around. There we go. From Pastor Rhett, we have our super villain. Villain. We have our evil genius. We have no one picking us as the hot team. That's fine. This year we're not the Broncos. We're the dark horses. Mm. Switch that uh that Bronco from white to black. Mm. By the way, Mr. Freeze and Swedish Bronco didn't do their homework mm. because they asked who's the supervillain. Mm. They didn't know the answer, ah. which means they didn't do the class reading. Mm. And that's shame on them. Shame on them. They didn't read my Drew Locke story. <laughs> ah, who is, uh, sh- I, I guess we'll, we'll leave it to them to do the research. Yep. Okay. They got to read the story. It's easy. It's, it's Here's- free. Here's the thing about Drew Locke. Yeah, anyone can read it. And if you're commenting, you don't need that. Yeah, but come on, guys. Don't show up to class unprepared. Least you could do. Man, I want to tell the world, but I can't. (laughs) I got to read it. Uh, From Pat. Oh, next one here is from Mr. Freeze. And let's actually get to this one uh, for Mr. Freeze after I tell you about our friends over at House Lift Colorado. Are you thinking about selling your house, but it's not in tip-top condition? How do you ensure you'll maximize your profit? If your house is in need of an upgrade, Houselift can assist in eliminating all the stress of the remodeling process while matching the current trends that most buyers desire. And get this, there's zero upfront costs from you, the homeowner. That's right. You won't pay for any of the upfront costs of the remodel until your house closes. Houselift will handle everything from the contractors to the design while managing these costs. Here's what you need to do. You need to go over to 
houseliftcolorado.com or find House Lift Colorado on Facebook and check out the incredible remodels they've done for homeowners in the metro area. In past jobs, they've put anywhere from fifteen to sixty thousand dollars more in their clients' pockets. Call eight eight five sorry three zero three eight eight five seven eight 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 today. See what House Lift can do for you. Oh yeah, and if you hire one of their preferred realtors, they'll sell your house without even charging a listing commission. That's House Lift Colorado. Check them out today. All right, here's a question from Mr. Freeze. It's a little bit of a long one. He says, first, I would like to thank you guys for saving me the embarrassment and not reading the knee-jerk parts of my previous comment. Did we do that on purpose? I don't think so. You got lucky. <laughs> Second, I would like to thank you guys again for putting up, putting in as much work as you do. With all the draft buzz, I listened to a couple other podcasts, and they drove me nuts. <laughs> one of the guys couldn't even get Bill Kolar and Draymond Jones' names correct, and I shut it off after that. Uh, 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 uh. I'll tell you what. Here's how you get name pronunciations correct, and I'm awful at reading names, but you got to hear them. And you know how you hear name pronunciations? Pronunciations? You go Watch to the film. You go to the building. Ah, uh, yeah. And, and you talk to them, and you say, "How do I pronounce your name?" And you and I do that. That's how we know Deshaun and uh, uh, Domita and all those ones. Nico Fala. Mm. <laughs> um. Man, I, I don't know what podcast he's talking about, so I don't mean to I don't either. You know, um, crap on anyone. But if I'm listening to a show or a radio show or a podcast and they mispronounce one of the names, it really, really gets me. Yep. And like, it's one thing when they're not on the team. They're just a player right. that, you know, you ha- you, you've seen his name. You haven't really heard of him. Once they're on the team, you better get their name right. Completely agree. You gotta get the name right. Kolar, I don't been know. here for years. How else? I don't. I don't even know. Collar, I guess. Collar. Bill Collar. I think I would even go Kolar, on a first time noticing. Could be Koyar. <laughs> Bill. Bill Koyar. <laughs> I don't even know what accent that is. Uh, but yeah, you got you gotta get the names right. Just got to. Third, as a well-known and informed NFL analyst, I would like to give my way too early draft grades. He tells us that was sarcastic, as we hoped. <laughs> Noah Fant B, Dalton Riser A minus, Drew Lock A based on value, Draymond Jones B has potential to be a good DE, but currently a DT. Mm, probably not. Yeah, still a DE. Justin Holland C. Everyone's saying he's going to be an MLB metal linebacker. <laughs> Stop it. He is a depth pass rusher. Well, he's talking directly to Vic, I guess. Because <laughs> I'm just following what they're telling us. Yep, exactly. I don't see it. 6'5", 250 doesn't make sense for me, a middle linebacker. But I'm listening to the head coach who didn't get a, a linebacker at all. I wonder if, like, at the end of rookie minicamp, we'll, Vic will be like, yep, nope, he's a he's a pass rusher. He'll he be is on the a, definitely <laughs> an outside linebacker. Uh, we've got that. We definitely figured that out this week. Uh, Juwan Winfrey D he gives him injury concerns and players still available made me scratch my head solid draft could have been better could have been way way worse <laughs> see the Raiders how do they not draft a single corner even if they re-sign Harris they needed to get another depth guy uh, I don't think so the defensive side of the ball got put to the back burner this this is John Elway saying Vic I hired you for a reason not to give you things to be successful you are to make this team successful or this defense specifically successful. 
I just – if you have Chris Harris Jr., Bryce Callahan, Kareem Jackson, and Isaac Yadam, you're good. And then your fifth guy will just be some guy. AAF. Yeah, Bowsby. Yep. Bosby. We haven't, met, right. we haven't met him, so it's not it's, our fault yet. It's Bosby. Yep. Uh, <laughs> damn it. Mr. Freeze just shut off the podcast after that one. Yeah. He, he, it's, that's on us. Um. Yeah, they just put it. They put pushed it back. John always said the problem is offense. Yep, kind of commendable because it is. <laughs> yeah, and at least he's paying attention to it. From 49th State Bronco, he says, "I took a big swig of cold, delicious Alaskan water right after the Reisner pick, and almost had to spit. Almost had a spit take when the Broncos <laughs> traded up for Locke." With no research to prove it, I say those two picks are the two best consecutive draft picks by any one team in the history of the NFL. <laughs> wow. Love it. Regarding the Harris situation, is it just me or do contract issues tend to be more contentious with Elway involved? At the risk of turning this into a 90 sitcom debate podcast, Seinfeld had an episode about a bad breaker upper. Essentially a guy who couldn't break up with a girlfriend without making it ugly. Yeah. <laughs> Have you, did you watch Seinfeld at all? No. It's a great scene because um, uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus is talking about this guy who she's seeing, and she's like, "I heard he's a bad breaker upper." <laughs> they go on and on, and she's like, "She's like, I mean, that's got to be one. That's a deal breaker. That's one of the most important parts of any relationship." <laughs> uh, and then that reminds me of the the part with George when he's talking about the "It's not you, it's me" routine. He's like. You're giving me, it's not you, it's me. I invented it's not you, it's me. It's definitely me. <laughs> Was Seinfeld one of those ones with a laugh track? Oh, yeah. I can't stand those shows, man. So you're out on Friends. You're it, it, Actually, Friend? it might have been live studio audience, honestly. For Seinfeld? For I know it was for Friends. They were doing the three-camera live studio audience which is actually pretty i didn't cool. know that actually yep. and i i wasn't like i'm not a diehard friends guy but i did watch it my girlfriend watches friends every single day <laughs> are those her friends like I, I she's in the shower she's putting friends on her phone wow she's eating breakfast friends on the phone does she know every episode like the back of her hand and i'm just like there's like a, a million shows, you know, <laughs> but it, she, I guess it's like, if you want something mindless, you don't want to have to actually watch. Right, you just want right. to hear it. Yep. I've watched parks and rec enough now where I can probably do that, but it's just, I like falling asleep to it. Fair. Yep. Yep. You know, I, I don't need to like watch it while I'm eating breakfast <laughs> everywhere with you. Anyways, I actually haven't watched Seinfeld straight through. It's a goal of mine to mm. do that. Now that we're not in the off season, you cannot do that. Yep. No, I mean, there's always time for one show after sports end. It's true. It's true. Anyways, he says, go back to, he says, is LA a bad breaker upper? If he is, does it matter? Do I see the issues more because I'm following the Broncos more closely than other teams? Interested in your thoughts. Thanks again for all the killer content. I don't think so. I think Elway is this type of guy that he He's an alpha dog. Now, general managers, once they rise to this point, you know, they, they have the confidence and the swagger and a little bit of alpha dog, but come on. No general manager is like John Elway. John Elway is the guy. And I do think he is more aggressive 
in these contract negotiations than other ones. Now, you'll see, you know, a contract situation get bad in other places, but I don't think you consistently see a team hardball like John does. And now out in New England, it's different because Bill doesn't negotiate hard with people. He just says, "No, you're going to you're going to leave. I'm going to let you walk." And they're shocked. They're like, "Wait, but don't you want to offer me a contract?" They're like, "No." Just see ya. It's different here because John does want these guys back, and he is hard with it. Yeah, I think John has a, a. He's not perfect in this in these scenarios. His ego gets in the way. He doesn't like when someone tries to hold a fist over him. Mm-hmm. It's, just, he's, it's not in his wiring to be able to not snap back at that. And so that's when you get comments like, I'm just, I'm not saying we're going to do it. I'm just saying we'll talk about it. Like that's when he's like, I need to make sure that you think you have your fist here. Well, guess what? I just put my fist right above yours. Yep. And that creates these things being contentious. But you know what John said uh, on orange and blue Seven Sixty. you included it in your article and it really resonated with me. He said, I'd like to talk to Chris personally, not just to his agent. Hmm. And I think when John gets in that room with the guys, it all goes away. Yeah, it's this. It's the through the media, through the social media, through the passive aggressive comments that these things get off the rails. And I think when John sits down with him, he's he's like he just reasons with him, and he's just one of the boys, and yep. he says, "Hey, man, we can't pay you that much, but you know, I, I I do respect you, and everything you heard on the radio, that's not real." <sighs> I totally agree with you. But when John said that, I'm thinking, John, you were the one to put it out there. You said that. Don't We didn't spin it any way. You said it. Well, I think what pissed him off is he said after the draft. And then they came in before the draft and tried to hold a fist over him. Right. We're like, we want it now. And right. he's like, what do you mean? I said after the draft. We're doing it after the draft. Don't, right. try, and, don't try and push me around. Right. To do it on your time, we're doing this on my time. Yeah. Because you're under contract for a whole other year. Exactly. From Lindsay MVP 2020. Hey, guys, what a great past five days. Having a full quarterback room is going to make for some great podcasts over the next few months. Very true. Mm. In the movie Draft Day, the Seattle Seahawks come out of the draft looking like donkeys, and Kevin Costner and the Browns look like the winners. Who do you think are the donkeys in this draft, and what GM pulled off a Kevin Costner-like performance? Finally, good to see the Aussies represented in the draft with West Australian-born punter Mitch Wisnowski out of Utah getting drafted by the 49ers at 110. Broncos need to get an Aussie punter one day. Yeah, they'd get a tough Aussie punter. Fourth round for a punter, huh? He can boom it. Wow. Just get your special teamers from Utah. It's just gen- good general practice. That is. It, were they the first two guys gone? I think so. Wow, that coach special deserves, teams. You uh, that coach deserves a raise. I don't know if that's the one you want, but that their special teams. You <laughs> in more than one way. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, we know the do- This brings up a different conversation. How do you feel about referring to the Broncos as the donkeys? I feel like you don't like it. I, I think it's casual. I'm okay with it. The I like it, actually. Okay. Um, It has to be used in a certain context. I'd probably never say it on this podcast. No. But if like you're texting your buddy 
Sunday morning. Like, hey, you want to watch the donkeys? Right. That's, that's fine. Right. But then you hear people use it in this context and it, and it makes it sound like a bad thing, <laughs> you know, because every time he said it in the sentence, I'm thinking of the Broncos. Yeah. And he's meaning it in a bad way. But anyways, who were the idiots of the draft? We've I already kind of gone over Yeah, that. we've talked about it. Raiders, um, Giants. And the Giants actually traded back in to the end of the first round, right? So they ended up having three first-round picks. Just like the Raiders. And uh, none of them were blow-you-away impact players. That is so bad that we're pointing to two teams that had three first-round picks as they the should, ones that botched it. They should be guaranteed the top two teams. Oh, that's so bad. Like, the Broncos got an A or whatever I saw from NFL.com. And the other teams got, like, all the teams got A's, B's, or C's. It was really dumb. But... um. It should be like Raiders one, Giants two, everyone else. Yep. And, and then and the justification would be, well, the Raiders got three first-round picks, so it's hard for anyone to keep up with them here. <laughs> oh, right. And that'd be fair. Ugh. Yeah, they'd be my two bottom dwellers right there. And I'll go, I'll go with the Broncos as a winner. I, don't, I, don't I haven't looked around the league enough and studied all seven rounds of every team. Um, but for the kind of opposite reason – the Broncos had one first-round pick, and they came out with three first-round grades. Yeah. I don't know who else pulled off something like that, but for John Elway to get three players in the top 42, that's essentially like getting three first-round picks. Um, and even before the draft, we liked all of those guys more than some of the other guys. We didn't talk as much about Fant, but everyone that listens to this podcast knew about Locke and Reisner. Yep, Exactly. Next one from OJF. We, we've literally never mentioned the name Cleveland Farrell on this podcast. <laughs> part no. of it's because they don't need outside linebackers, but the other part is like he's just not – he wasn't the guy. I bet if there was a BSN Oakland, I guess maybe it's now BSN Vegas, they probably would have never talked about Cleveland Farrell going to four. They would have been talking about him at 24 and 27 all off season, and you know what? They wouldn't be wrong. That's just how wrong and off the Raiders were. I mean, I guess in one hand, just like the Giants, you applaud him for getting their guy, not letting anything slip through the cracks. But if he was your guy, get Josh Allen, get Drew Locke at four, and then package 24 and 27 to move up just outside the top 10, maybe even inside the top 10 to go get Cleveland Farrell. Very weird. must be really fun doing a podcast about a team that has three first-round picks. We would have been sitting there saying, all right, so you get yeah. uh, Devin White at 10. And then, or actually, I guess it was what, 4, four 24, and 27? Yep. So we're like, you get Devin White at 4. Yep. Then at 24, you're going to get... Uh, Dalton and Drew Locke. <laughs> yeah, I, I was trying to come up with other players. I was really trying to come up with other players. But maybe it's like Byron Murphy at 24. Right. And then at 27, you're getting Dalton Reisner. Right. Yeah. And we're like, wow, you just got three. Man, that had been a blast. Can you imagine how defeated we would have been on the podcast <laughs> after they took those three players, though? Oh, how do you spin that? You're just like, well, you got three good players. <laughs> right. They improved the roster tonight. Ugh. Josh, Jacob, Josh Jacobs is going to be a thorn in the Broncos' side. He'll be really good. From OJF, you were right, Zach. I wasn't a fan of the trade back, but seeing us take Locke and Reisner has turned me into a fan. Hearing you guys gush over Locke is seriously turning me into a believer, almost to the point where I wish we never moved for Flacco and used our fourth elsewhere. 
Hindsight is a wonderful thing. Which team do you think improved the most from the draft? Honestly, think we were contenders for that crown. Definitely in the AFC West anyway. P.S. What shirt numbers do you want to see the rookies take? Locke with three looks beautiful. He's clearly from uh, not the U.S. <laughs> uh, yeah. Calling it shirt numbers. Locke's got to be locked in at three. Nothing's official yet, except we do know Noah Fant will be wearing number 87. Um, what? Beauty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That That's a great number. Um, Dalton threw out three numbers. He's not going to be number 71 because... Juwan James, right? Juwan James, exactly. Uh, I saw someone stitch together his jersey from Kansas State and his jersey with the Broncos. And so seven was the number with, with Kansas State. And for some reason, they picked two for the Broncos. So it was 72, and I just thought, no, 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 bad don't put luck. You, don't you put that evil <laughs> on him. And I think Dalton gave it a retweet on Twitter. I'm like, oh, no. Uh, no, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> um, Dalton threw out like 52, 54, and 66. Yeah, they were bizarre. If he's the first two, he's a center. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually kind of interesting. Yeah. But uh, 66, just if you're going with any of those three, please, for the love of God, do 66. Yep, exactly. I would agree. You're not a middle linebacker. No. Although they might need you over there. <laughs> and he played that a little bit in high school, I think, for a game or two. Oh, wow. Yeah. There's this dude who played for CU. His name was Stefan Nembot. He was a right tackle. He was like 6'8". Oh, my god. 300 pounds. Don't tell me he played middle linebacker. He was the kicker. No way. Yeah, obviously, he played elsewhere, but he did kickoffs for his high school team. Wow. Watching him run towards the ball is comical. And he just toe-punched it mm-hmm. and just blasted it every time. <laughs> it's pretty great to did watch. See, you ever need that? Nope. Stefan never got a chance. But he did uh, have a short-lived career in the NFL. He could still mm. be on a roster somewhere. He was dra- drafted by the Ravens, I think, in like the seventh round. Oh, he's big. He's huge. From Lone Star Bronco. Hey, guys. Lone Star Bronco here. We know. Formally <laughs> trade for Rosen. Okay. We like oh. the new name. I 100% endorse Locke over Rosen. <laughs> that being said, who do you all think will turn out to be the better quarterback? I'm saying Locke. He uses passion for the game and the leadership to take control. I like Rosen, but if anyone reminds me of Cutler, it's Rosen's demeanor that is Cutler-like. It's decent. I saw Reisner has a BSN subscription. Have we heard from him in the past in the comment section? <laughs> is there a chance Grayson and Hogan are gone and the depth chart is Flacco Lock ripping? To answer yep. that, that's the likeliest scenario. Absolutely. That's where you put your money. That's the front runner right there. <sighs> Rosen. Garrett Grayson should be calling up Mike Bobo, see if he needs a, a quarterback coach <laughs> assistant. <laughs> uh, yeah, he really should be. And because what? That's five guys now. Garrett Grayson maybe won't even make it to training camp. How did Garrett Grayson go from second round pick to like the ultimate afterthought? That is crazy. The Saints. They just really screw that one up. He was great at CSU. Like, I'll give him that. Yeah. He was good at CSU. I'll give him that. But they took him in the second round and they had Drew Brees on the team. That's wild. That and now, wild. like, he's chopped liver. Yep. Yep. Has anyone ever had chopped liver? I certainly haven't. Would you try it? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I've heard of like liver and onions, which <clears throat> sounds disgusting to me, honestly, but I would try it too. Sounds better than chopped liver. Wouldn't you want it to be chopped? I'd rather have, I love onions, so I'd rather have that okay. with it. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> it is pretty crazy. Um, 
Who has the better career, Locke or Rosen? Hmm. I say Locke because, and the reason for this isn't because the Broncos just drafted him. It's because John Elway on Saturday said, Drew Locke is the future. Gave that full endorsement. Josh Rosen, no, I haven't heard what the Dolphins have said about him. But they, this whole offseason, they've been rumored to be in the mix for a quarterback next year, tanking for Tua, uh, getting a guy next year. And I am not convinced that they believe that he is the future there. And if that they, if they tank, they still may go quarterback next year. The Broncos aren't going quarterback next year. I'm a little worried for Josh because he just went from one inept franchise to another. Yeah. And I can totally see this nightmarish scenario happening where oh, they God. go 1-15 and and they get the number one overall pick and they draft a quarterback again with the number one overall pick and he gets traded again. Oh, man. Would he get traded to the Patriots for like a sixth round pick and then he turns in to be Tom Brady 2.0? Maybe. Here's the other thing is I loved uh, Rosen coming out and from a talent standpoint, I still love him. I'll say this. The reason that he w- fell out of favor in in uh, Arizona really didn't have much to do with his talent. It had to do with some habits of his, as far as I've heard. And living in South Beach, I do not believe is conducive to breaking those habits. Yeah, probably not. But props to Josh. I mean, he handled this weekend great. And he was, uh, an all, I mean, he was awesome. Everything he did was awesome. If you're the Dolphins, you're welcoming him with, with open arms. But like you said, they're inept. I could see them just moving on from him. From Sil Forge. Hey, guys, I'm loving this draft coverage. And I absolutely love this draft class. On a related note, I just wanted to make a point. You guys often said before the draft that if he's your guy, just go up and get him. This was the philosophy of the Giants and the philosophy of John Gruden. They both got their guy and weren't willing to risk anyone snatching them away unexpectedly. Well, you're right. And I think I said on the first podcast. Um, actually, no, I said it on the, the post-first-round podcast. Look, I think they're the, the philosophy that got the Giants to Daniel Jones being their guy is bad. But I, I said this. I said I respect them for picking a guy and saying we're, he's ours. We're not letting him slip. And... That applies to quarterbacks, Zach, that we've always said that. If you have your guy, you do anything and everything to go up and get him, which also tells me that the Broncos weren't 100% convinced that Drew Locke was their guy. They really tried to be disciplined on their board and say, we're not going to reach, which is good for them. But it also tells you that they weren't 100% sold on, on Drew Locke. Um, as for Gruden, it's just that's just not the way I feel about this because, you first of all, there's other great pass rushers on the board. Second of all, you could have gotten him later, and you had the ammunition in your back pocket. If you were afraid of Cleland Farrell going to who took who took Josh Allen? Jacksonville. At? Seven. Okay, so you could have just taken whoever at four and then packaged two first-round picks, maybe more, to come up to, to six, yep. taking him there. But I don't think Jacksonville wanted Cleveland Farrell. That's worst case scenario. So when it comes to a quarterback, here's the thing. If you hit on a franchise quarterback, there's there's a 0% chance you will have any regrets about anything. 
you can get Von Miller and go five and eleven and six and ten in back to back years. So just because you got your guy didn't really do all that much for you. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, he goes on. John Elway, on the other hand, embraced risk and uncertainty and came away with three first-round prospects. I'm not saying you guys were wrong. If he, uh, if the Broncos traded up for Haskins or took Locke at 10, I'd still be ecstatic, honestly. It's just an excellent example about how that philosophy can lead you astray. Love the content. Love the pod. Keep up the good work. Ryan, we only talk, we only know when the plan unfolds right, when it unfolds right, John Elway's not going to sit up there and say, yeah, to be honest with you guys, we really wanted this player and say player X's name. He almost did last year in the second round. He almost did last year, but we know that didn't go right. Their luck didn't fall right that time. With Demarcus Walker, there were were reports, and we've heard things from the back end that their few guys were taken, and then the Broncos scrambled, and that's how they got to DeMarcus Walker. They didn't really, not that they didn't know much about him, but he wasn't their guy. Uh, He had the production, so just he ended up being their guy, but he wasn't their guy. Luck didn't fall their way that time. This time it did, and you do get lucky, and John Elway uh, admitted that they got lucky. Um, So, yeah, the Broncos got lucky, and it worked out this time, but it doesn't always happen like that. You're right. You want to get the next one? Next one coming in from Yeti Roy says, Guys, guys, as someone who was a part of the group that was banging the table for the Broncos to take Locke, we would be remiss to start him before he's ready. As much as I'm stoked to have him and want to see him play and turn the page on the Broncos' terrible quarterback situation of the past, Locke has a lot that needs to be fixed. The Broncos have a quarterback whisperer now in Scangarello. Let's let him have a year with the kid to iron out some of his issues. My fear is starting him too soon would delay or even cap his full development. And if that means the difference between being stuck in QB hell longer and having a franchise quarterback of the future, Elway simply has to wait to play lock. You guys are telling me you'd, you'd rather play with Peak Osweiler now in lock versus letting him develop into, say, a Matthew Stafford or Phillip Rivers in a year or two max. I've been trying to be intentional to not make any direct comparisons between Locke and Mahomes, but it was public knowledge when Mahomes was drafted, he had terrible footwork. There is definitely some interesting overlap between the two prospects, and I truly believe that if you're going to get the most out of Locke, you simply have to allow that time for him to mature and develop similar to what Mahomes was able to do. Yeti War, I mean, it's a, it's a great point. And uh, we're not at no point. Uh, at no point did we say they shouldn't rest him a year. Exactly, exactly. And uh, I'm just saying, when you look at Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, the situation John Elway to compare this compared this to, I'm saying baloney. There's no way the Broncos are going to be able to hold back from playing Drew Locke. What was that? Three or four years? Three years, yeah. They're they're not going to be able to do that. Yeah, Joe Flacco. It sets up nice on paper. Joe Flacco's under contract for three more years. Drew Locke is going to have a four year contract. It's not going to happen. This is Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith, at best. And Yeti Roar, what I would remind you, and I think what I said on the pod yesterday was, Alex Smith had an MVP type season. He had the best year of his career. The team was great, and that allowed Andy Reid to put the plan in place to say, 
No, why would we bring Patrick Mahomes in? Alex Smith's killing it. The team is killing. It. I'm not shaking this up. What if the Chiefs were what if the Chiefs were 6 and 10 and at one point in the season they're sitting there and they're 3 and 8 and Alex Smith is, you know, having an Alex Smith year. He's average or below average. You think they're really just still letting Patrick Mahomes sit? I don't think so. And I don't see the Broncos being I don't see Joe Flacco going out and throwing 27 touchdowns to what five interceptions that Alex Smith had that year and the Broncos being 12 and 4 in the first seed in the playoffs or second seed whatever they were I don't see that happening this year that's why I think the window and the door is way more open for Drew Locke to come in this year than Patrick Mahomes was his first year Here's what it comes down to Zach John always win now right always mm. If a moment comes or he thinks we have a better chance of winning this week if Drew Locke is on the field, it's over. That's a great point. That's when it's over. Yep. And you, and you know what, Yeti Roar? If that moment comes, it's very, very good news for the Broncos. I don't, I don't want to see Drew Locke's development stunted either. But if John Elway at some point during the season says, and Vic Fangio agrees, Drew's got to play. He's too good then it's a very good sign. If the Broncos are a floundering team and they never are tempted to play Drew Locke, it's a bad sign. Yeah. So it's a it's a delicate scenario. What the best case for the Broncos is is winning, obviously. But if Drew if Joe Flacco can keep them on pace for ten and six all year, then they won't have to play Drew Locke. But one thing to also keep in mind is Patrick Mahomes did play a game his rookie year. He played one, but that's better than zero. So whether it's uh, because the Broncos are out of it in Week 17 or because they're so in it that they don't need to play in Week 17, it would be really great if Drew Locke can just at least get one. Yeah, yeah, and yet you are, I was not attacking you. I think you're 100% right. He does need to improve his footwork and his technique, and and hopefully he can do that in – However long he's sitting behind Joe Flacco, I just think it's going to come a little sooner than John Elway expects. It takes 30 days to form a habit, right, Zach? Uh, yep. I haven't had a carb in months. Uh, hey. True Lock can figure out his footwork. <laughs> yep. Uh, from Tom3565. As a former officer, the Hill deal is beyond disgusting. The department that investigated this incident really screwed the pooch. I have to ask if she could not be compelled to talk based on state law due to spousal privilege, and leaking audio is the only option. The Chiefs have not learned anything since the Belcher incident. They drafted and traded. They drafted two and traded for another. Well, Tom, 3565, thank you uh, for, for your service. And we actually, Ryan and I, have asked that question a lot in the past week since it's been dropped, is how, how did they not get how, – how, could the police not get this or know about it or find out about it? Bad job. It happens, you know, sometimes, but you shouldn't get out investigated by a TV station. As much as I love journalists and journalism, you just, it shouldn't happen. So that's that. Right. Exactly. Next one from Jack Double Magnum. He says, well, 
That's definitely the kind of podcast to get you fired up, LOL. I'm an Iowan in Iowa Hawkeye football, so picking Fant was a very pleasant surprise. I had I held a draft party with a lot of my friends back home on Thursday, and everyone I talked to and asked whether they would rather have TJ Hawkinson or Fant, and pretty much everyone that was an Iowa fan said Fant honestly. I mean, he literally ran away from Denzel Ward, the Browns' number four pick last year. He's a freak, but the best pick in the draft has to be Locke or Reisner. Love them both. Can't wait to see what this draft class turns out to be. Kind of curious on the Locke situation, though, because uh, because of getting him in the second round and not being able to do the fifth-year option with him, especially if he truly sits a full year behind Flacco. Get three years, and you hope to the good Lord above that you are chomping at the bit to pay him a, a Big old contract as fast as you can. That's it. That's exactly it. If you have to pay him a ton of money, that means great things. I mean, people in Kansas City are ecstatic to see Patrick Mahomes get the biggest contract ever, even though they understand that's going to handcuff their team a little bit. But they believe they have their guy, so they want to lock him up as soon as possible. If the Broncos are in that situation with Locke, then it's it's all worth it. It's It's great. You don't have to worry about it. And I guess it shortens that window of a rookie contract quarterback one year. But, you know, the fifth-year option, you're paying the guy $10 million plus. So you're handcuffed a little bit more, but it's not the biggest deal. Uh, Bucking Broncos asks, when can we expect player numbers to be announced? Uh, rookie minicamp is when those guys will come out. You want to take a crack at a couple of these? We know Fant is 87. You think Locke sticks with three? He gets it from Colby Wadman? Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. I think so. Um, what other number would be good for him, though? What about one? Give me one. I'd love that. That's just – it would be great. Why do why do quarterbacks not do that as often? I don't know. Kyler certainly had no hesitation. Did you see that little video? No. He, like, walked into the training room, and they're like, so what number do you want? He's like, I think I'm going to go with one. <laughs> I was like, oh, that was dope. Um, Locke, go one. Two is available. Yep. Three isn't, but could be. Four, don't do that. Is seven available? No. <laughs> Six, maybe stay away from that one. Yeah, unless Although, he wants to embrace I mean, full Jay Cutler. He did say Jay was the man. Yep. Uh, eight. Mm. Oh, McManus has that. Nine? No. 10 is Sanders. 11's on the board, right? Oh, there's a, isn't there a receiver with 11? Is it River? Did he take that? River Craycraft take that once Carlos Henderson left? Someone did. I think you might be right. That's a shame. Let's just stick with three. Colby, enjoy three or one. Three or one. I'm down, I'm down with that. Take one. That's a statement. I like it. I love one. That is a statement if yep. you take one. I should. Yep. Someone should tell him. <laughs> okay. Um, Reisner, we said 66. Draymond Jones, 94. I like it. Mm, really like it. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> somewhere in the 50s for Justin and, uh, oh, man. Juwan Winfrey. Give him nine. Sure. Was that his number oh, in college? I don't know if wide receivers can wear nine. Yeah, probably not. I think they have like 10 to 19. 
19 maybe i don't know 19 could work yeah yeah all right last one here comes in from bucking broncos he says dudes <laughs> you think it's the last oh, one buzzer readers <laughs> dudes nashville was insane broadway street is ridiculous first and foremost thanks for shouting out burrito chad's email meeting people off the internet is always risky but man this guy is incredible so much energy <laughs> and passion <laughs> the guy is not only one of the biggest fans he's ever met he's also one of the nicest guys i hope you guys realize how amazing the people are in your bsn family if you guys uh, care for it, we have some vids of draft night from Kid Rock's bar if you want to see them. Of course we want to see Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Let's all hope we can get the time off so you can come to the, so, uh, let's all hope he can get the time off so he can come to the Hall of Fame. The BSN family would be missing a special guy if he can't go. Okay, enough of my bromance. Man, wow. that's so cool. That is so cool. These guys are boys. They're going to be texting well, about the game every Sunday. <laughs> Might as well call you Drew Locke and Dalton. Seriously. By the way, read Zach's story on the bromance between those two. The draft was ridiculous. I love every single pick. You guys already did a deep dive, but man, the villain line arc in RK's story was cold as ice. <laughs> I love it. I think a big thing we should look at, though, is no cornerback, and LA completely switched the tone about Strap Harris. Music to my ears. Mm. Vegas has our win total at seven. Slam that over, baby. <laughs> You guys have done wonders regarding my knowledge and passion for this team. Thank you so much for being so awesome. And I know for a fact, Chad would say the same. <laughs> They're just talking for themselves now. They're that close. They're like you and I. So Bucking Bronco, that is way too cool to hear. Uh, thank you for being a part of our family and everyone. And yeah, we know that we have such an awesome family and it just continues to grow. And we're so happy about that. Yeah. I mean, uh, you made friends with Burrito Chad. I made good friends with Burrito Brad before <laughs> yeah. he was Nacho Brad uh, down there in Arizona. He gave me a ride to the game all the way across, you know, Arizona. So uh, every person I've met that was a BSN subscriber has been really cool. Good thing. Good, good things going on with burritos. And you're right. Always good things happen when burritos are involved. <laughs> um, and not to mention, you know, the comment section at BSN is one of the most peaceful places on the internet. Mm -hmm. Yep. You never see people getting into it. And I think it is because we have such a strong family of just people who want to get along, want to be a part of the community. They don't want to alienate themselves by being a, a bag. And everyone, everyone is welcome. Ryan, speaking of Vegas total wins for the Broncos at seven, one that I thought might interest you that I scrolled past last night, the worst, Cardinals. the worst odds. What do they got? They their playoff odds to make the playoffs plus one thousand. It's ten to one. Ten to one. What did you see? What their over under was? I think it's like five, five or five and a half. Yeah, I thought you'd be all smash over it. That. <laughs> smash. And I over. think there's something like, you know, they're a hundred or two hundred or three hundred to one to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's a little early for them. Next year. Um, <laughs> the other one that I, I'd be interested in is the bills. Mm. Those are my, that's my sleeper to go over. Yep. They're probably around seven. Be my guess. Remember I took a stupid bet with you that the yeah, bills would have it? more what wins in the Browns. Yes. <laughs> Browns were at nine. That seems a little high. <laughs> nine and a half or nine. Probably nine and a half. Wow. The way people are. Yeah, with them. that's a little too juicy for me. I love my Browns now, though. I like the Browns, too. Like, I'll, I will be cheering for them, but I, I really deserve some odds on that bet. <laughs> it's a dark horse pick. <laughs> From Kai Olsen, we got, oh, we got multiple. 
buzzer beaters here. We so do. the first one is from Chilongo Bronco. It says, hey, guys, love to see the Lindsay homegrown tee during the transmission of the draft. You guys are getting world famous. Quick one. Who sells more jerseys next season, Lindsay or Locke? That's an easy one. Lindsay? No. Yeah, Locke. <laughs> first of all, everyone, everyone who was on the Lindsay hype train heavy already got theirs. Second of all, Locke is... He is the beacon of hope. Yep. He is. Those he, jerseys will sell. He'll have the best-selling jersey on the team. He's the future. Yep. And at quarterback, the I mean, when John always says he's the future, then you're like, okay, I'm comfortable buying this because he's going to be around for a while. And shout-out to Ron and Cap Hill, who was the one rocking the Lindsay T-shirt at the draft. Oh, that's awesome. Pretty dope. That is awesome. Next one coming in from Kyle, and he says, Hey guys, I really appreciate your no BS take on the Chiefs situation. It's worth noting that besides his domestic violence arrest, new Chief Frank Clark also has a felony on his record for second-degree home invasion. In 2017, the Chiefs also brought in Michael Vick as a coaching intern. Quick tidbit on Vick. In 2009, he declared bankruptcy and was able to skate away with only paying for a fraction of the rehabilitation costs for the dogs who were survived who survived his compound. Vic made over $50 million shortly after this, but the rehabilitation center for the mostly traumatized or for, for the most, for the most traumatized dogs, dogs continues to be funded by donations and animal welfare groups. The Cowboys and Jerry Jones got destroyed by the media and had their mor- morality called into question when they signed a string of unsavory characters. When, why, then, does public criticism of the Chiefs never seem to extend past the individual players and on to Andy Reid, Brett Veach, and the Hunt family? It's just the Chiefs' ah shucks middle American persona? Do people not want to criticize Reid, or is it something else? Um, thanks for the information, by the way. Uh, the Cowboys are the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And so everything they do is going to be under a massive scope. And, you know, first take or whatever garbage debate show you want to throw on knows that their ratings go up when they talk about the Cowboys. So anytime they can bring up the Cowboys about anything, they're going to do it. And it applies to the New York media markets as well as the Lakers and some of the, those teams like that, you know, the Red Sox. So essentially, yeah, it's because they are stuck right there in the in middle America. Um now Patrick Mahomes has kind of put them on a national stage now and I think you are seeing them take a little more of a hit because of their you know they were in the AFC championship game but you're right I mean Andy Reid kind of just skates by in all this Mm -hmm. and he has to be you know um John Dorsey isn't there anymore John Dorsey is the one who drafted Kareem Hunt and Tyree Kill and so the fact that it's still going on Tells you that this is all. This is also on Andy Reid as well. Man, when the Broncos signed Alexander Johnson last year with his background, now he was never convicted of a crime, but of course he was on trial for what three years. Uh, that that pushed him to not entering the NFL until last year. John Elway was was hit with two or three hard hitting questions about it, trying to to find out. Now John really deflected them. Um, and that was for a guy who hadn't been convicted of anything, and there was no video. I'm not saying it makes it any better at all. Um, and, and you can do research to find out you know, what the, the specs were in that case. But I can't imagine what the questions would be 
on a daily basis in Denver if it was guy after guy after guy after guy. Or, I mean, and I guess in New York, it would be question after question after question. I mean, they wouldn't be getting off. I don't know what it is, Kai, and, it, and it's a it's a good question. It's a good point. And still, is there anyone defending the Chiefs right now for keeping Tyreek Hill on the roster and on the team? Is there any reason why they're doing it? And, and it's because they're Chiefs fans. Is that it, though? I mean, outside of Kansas City, there's the because it seems pretty straightforward to me. There's some people um, in the legal world who would say that they need uh, that if they were able to wait for the police to make a move, then they don't have to worry about later being f- sued for uh, mm. uh, unlawful termination or whatever it's called. Okay. So there, that that's one case that's being made out there. But to me. You gotta set. A, you have to set a standard, and you kind of got some good PR unrightfully about how you dealt with Cream Hunt because the Lord knows that Cream Hunt and the and the Chiefs knew exactly what happened. Yeah, and they probably saw the video too, but they thought they could keep it under wraps. So don't give them credit for cutting him after the video came out. Um, and you you could have made it look like you're changing. If you said, you know what, we're not, we are not okay with this. Yeah. And even then, you still would have been too late in my eyes. But at least it would have looked like you were, you know, starting to take initiative. There's no defense of the Chiefs, and they do need to be held accountable on a larger s- stage. And and remember, Tyree Kill was found guilty. He pled guilty. It's not the same as, you know, uh, Alexander Johnson or even Adam Gotsis who. You know, we've gone over this before. It's a tough subject to breach, but those guys were, pro- were were found not guilty or the charges were dropped. And while that doesn't necessarily mean they didn't commit a crime, it, it at least gives the employer something to say, well, we're going off what the justice system says. We aren't the justice system. Right. And whether, you know, that can be debated, whether you should, you know, do that or not. But when when the dude pled guilty, he's like raising his hand and saying, "I'm a bad guy." Yeah. And you're you know running to the to the table to draft him. Do you know on the commissioner's exempt list, which Tyreek Hill is not on right now? There's rumors that he may be put on it. Does the player get paid on that? I believe so. Yes. Oh, that's sick. Ugh. He needs to just be cut and exiled from he, the league. The NFL just needs to. Get him out of their organization. Not just the Chiefs, but their organization. Yeah. Bad dude. Yeah. Next one coming in from Bucking Broncos. He says, one of the interesting things I get to do as a social worker is work with different populations. Domestic violence is a huge issue, and there is a significant correlation between homelessness and domestic violence. Almost 50% of survivors experience homelessness at least once. Love your guys' take on the Casey's on the Casey's roster, and I thought it was an interesting point you stated. The organization needs to be held accountable. What would that look like? Or what would that look like to you? I might have already missed that. You know, it's hard to set a precedent for this because every case is different. But, you know, I could envision a scenario where the NFL essentially, it's hard to, to, but but just for the sake of conversation, the NFL can put red flags on players coming out of the draft if they have been convicted of crimes. 
And if you draft a red flag player and then something else happens, hmm. you can be fined. Um, in certain cases, lose draft picks depending on, you know, depending on what that crime is. Hmm. I I like that because typically with you know what would be a called a red fat reg red flag player is they fall in the draft. So whatever team drafts them gets a better value. So they actually benefit, benefit yeah. from drafting that. And now so you you take on a risk to get the high reward. And it should be like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, and, and it's just hard. The one thing you don't want to see is guys who actually have gotten their life together and may have you know messed up when they were 14 years old or something get punished because of this but if it's for and they're going to get their chance but if it's for you know the greater good of trying to clean the nfl from you know unsavory characters i think it's something that should be considered yeah teams should be punished for bringing those people into their communities because you know about it exactly it's not as if you drafted a guy who checked all the boxes and then he went crazy. And if you want to rehabilitate them or whatever, then you're responsible for helping them. And also, like, didn't the Patriots put give Josh um, Gordon like 24 hour security and, and surveillance and stuff? It, if if you really want this guy so much, make sure he's protecting himself and protecting others around him, whatever that is. What it does is it forces you to truly believe it when you say he has moved past that. Because right. you know what? If a guy was dealing drugs when he was 15 because both of his parents were locked up or whatever and he needed to figure out a way to put food on the table for his younger siblings, I don't hold that against him. And especially if he's proven since then you know, that he can do it. And so if you're in that situation, you know, you're confident he's not going to get in more trouble. But when you're just saying it, because you need to have something to say when you just drafted a guy who beat the crap out of his girlfriend, well, then you better believe it or else it's going to cost you in the future. Exactly. Exactly. Final one, at least for now, Ryan, comes in from Chris O'Brien. He says, my subscription ran out at the beginning of the month and I didn't renew because I was trying to save money. I made... I made it like two weeks before I realized it costs too much not to subscribe to the content of BSN Denver. The subscription more than pays for itself, and I'm glad to be back. And we are glad to have you back, Chris. He says, guys, the draft was so, so good. We went into the draft with two top 50 picks and walked away with four of those top 50 guys in the draft that Andre loves to talk about on the draft pod. And... We use those picks to also add a 2023rd rounder from Pittsburgh that could realistically bring in yet another top 50 guy next year, which would mean Elway used two top 50 picks in 2018 to bring in five top 50 guys in 2018 and 2019. We're not there yet, but that's what you call dominating a draft board. Two strong drafts in a row has the franchise on a great trajectory. Question. Off the top of your head only, what are the best and worst draft classes Elway has produced as a Broncos GM? Well, the worst has to be uh, 2016, right? That is the... Yeah. Now I'm drawing a blank. Was, was 2016, it 2017? 2017. Yep. Bowles. Walker. <laughs> yeah. Langley. So Demarcus Walker has been inactive almost infinite times more than he's been active. <laughs> Uh, 
Brendan Langley, your third round pick, now plays on the other side of the ball. Just trying to get the last spot on the roster. Carlos Henderson, who is also your third-round pick, is now a futures player for the Washington Redskins. Oh, good for him. Uh, Fourth round that year. That would be before Jake Butt. Yep. I don't know. Who was the first pick of day three? (laughs) I don't remember. I'm trying, trying to, to go through positions. I don't know. Maybe there wasn't. Maybe. <laughs> oh, uh, Devontae Booker? No, that was, was that a year, year before. before. He was a fourth rounder, though. I'm going to, I can't do this off the top of my head. I'm going to have to look. Yeah, I'm going to have to look, too. <laughs> but yeah, I think that was the worst one. You ended up getting one contributor so far, and we're heading into year three here. You just needed to get a little bit of value out of Demarcus Walker, Brendan Langley, and Carlos Henderson. Oh, Isaiah McKenzie was in that draft. He mm, gone the fifth rounder. Maybe they had two fifths and no fourths. Um, that was the case. Yep, Jake Butt was the first pick of day three. Okay, so you had Jake Butt and Isaiah McKenzie, neither of which have contributed anything to you. Isaiah McKenzie is now on my bills. Yep. Um, <laughs> sixth round. Our guy. Who's our guy? D'Angelo. Oh, D'Angelo <laughs> Henderson. You cut him. He is probably the best player of the class. <laughs> probably. Uh, and then the seventh round. CK6. You got Chad Kelly. <laughs> yeah. Who, under the rules that we just made, yep. would have cost you punishment because he would have been a red flag right. player. Exactly. Yep. And then he scared the living crap out of two people who live in your community exactly yep so yeah that was a that was a bad one best draft as it stands which one do you take the von miller draft is the best draft because you got a super bowl mvp out of it Mm. but other than that your next best is probably last season and in that Von Miller draft, of course, Elway's first. There's also Raheem Moore, Orlando Franklin, Nate Irving, Quentin Carter, Julius Thomas. So there's some players there. Matt Paradis, too. Uh, he was the... Year. A couple years later. Was he even a year before that? No. I don't know. Oh, no, he was 2014. Wow. Oh, so quite a ways after Yeah, that. yeah. Who'd they, who <laughs> was the sixth and seventh round picks? Of? That Von Miller draft. Uh, you had Mike Muhammad. In uh, yeah, the sixth. Linebacker out of Cal. Exactly. Impressive. Virgil Green in the seventh and Jeremy Beal in oh, the seventh. Maybe I was thinking of – I knew they got like a low-level contributor in the late ones. Julius Thomas? Yeah. Well, I knew it was Julius. Quentin so. Carter? He was in the fourth. So you got Von Miller and Julius Thomas. Two pro bowlers. It's the only time you've ever done that. Raheem so Moore, it's got to be that one. Raheem Moore was a starter. Orlando Franklin was also a starter. Orlando Franklin was a good pick. He was. Raheem so, the Dream. Yeah, that's the opposite of the Von Miller effect. <laughs> he cost you a Super Bowl. Yep, exactly. Maybe they cancel each other out. <laughs> so you're left with Julius Thomas being a Pro Bowler. It still makes it the best draft. Yep. Which one right now, which one's better, this year or last year? It's hard, but initially. It's it's impossible to answer because it only ma- the only player that matters is Drew Locke kind of crazy to say but if drew lock hits it's the best draft class of the la area era mm-hmm. if drew locks a miss then last year is definitely gonna be better it's wild last year they drafted nine players this year it was only six yeah it was much better for us 
<laughs> That's the truth. Uh, are we good? We're done? We're good. That All was right. the buzzer beater. No more buzzer beaters after that. We appreciate you guys uh, for chiming in on, on the podcast. And uh, before we let you go, I want to tell you about our friends over at Lived Well Enlightened Health. It's your go-to dispensary for the best deals on the highest quality cannabis products. Members of their free rewards program have access to $30 pre-weigh half ounces and $60 pre-weigh ounces every day. They have 16 locations in Colorado from the four corners all the way up to Fort Collins with six locations in the Denver area. Visit livewell.com slash BSN for all the most up-to-date sales and promotions. That's livewell, spelled W, sorry, livewell, spelled L-I-V-W-E-L-L.com slash BSN. Shout out to you guys for tuning in, for chiming in, for subscribing, and all the rest that you do to make this community great. We'll catch you tomorrow. Go Avalanche. Get